Turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 2, as we continue in our uh, Advent season, preparing our hearts for Christmas. Luke chapter 2, we're looking at that passage, verses uh, 8 through 20 this morning. Can you believe it is December 14th already? Heads up, 11 days till Christmas. Now, how many of you are freaking out over the shopping that still needs to be done? 11 days, all right? got to get it done. I think some people are, are really amped up about that and they get real excited in their heart and spirit, nervous anxiety, the, all the things they still have to get done. Only 11 days and trying to figure out how they're going to accomplish it all. There are others that I think look at 11 days, men, who uh, simply think, hey, what's all the fuss? we got plenty of time, right? I mean, the good stuff doesn't go on sale till the 24th. So... Uh, they're, uh, they're all set. By the way, the mall closes at 6 on the 24th, just so you know. Uh, perhaps you've heard the, uh, the, about the guy that bought his wife a, uh, a diamond ring for Christmas. And, and his friend said, that's, that's great, but I thought your wife wanted one of those you know, new sporty four-wheel drives for Christmas instead. And uh, the guy said, she did, but where do you find a fake one of those? So... Sometimes, sometimes Christmas, uh, sometimes at Christmas we realize that things are not always what they seem to be. So ladies, check your jewelry carefully Christmas morning. Some of us really love this, this holiday season, um, and we hope to savor each moment of, of holiday cheer. Some of us are, are looking for that, that warm, fuzzy Christmas that we get um, from the singing of carols and the trimming of the tree while, while watching classics like It's a Wonderful Life and, and uh, cozying up next to the fire with a cup of hot chocolate and a nice blanket. Others of us are, are writing our Christmas gift wishes uh, lists with our children and, and allowing them to dream about toys and games that will, that will sit under the Christmas tree. We exchange hints and drop clues to each other throughout the year of what we would hope to see under the Christmas tree um, come that morning. And uh, we send, we, we get into this rhythm and we get into this routine of, of anticipating Christmas. And, and men will be shopping in the malls and the stores this Christmas season, just, just wandering back and forth, eyes wide open and mouth to the floor not having a clue what to buy, and just trying to figure it out. What did my wife say? What was that hint? What was that clue? Trying to make up for the, uh, make that Christmas day very special. These are the images that, that I think we think about when we think of the Christmas and the holidays and gift giving with each other. But sometimes things are not always what we thought they would be especially as we think of this passage this morning in Luke chapter 2. Here the doctor paints for us a picture of the announcement of the birth of Christ. An announcement that I'm sure at many different points left these shepherds, these common people, scratching their heads and saying, that's not really how I thought it would happen. I'd like us to look at this familiar story this morning. And notice in particular how these shepherds responded to the message that was given to them by these angels. Look again at the words of Luke in chapter 2. 
There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Luke opens this section with shepherds living in a field. Some of the lowliest, most unassuming, and even untrustworthy people of that culture were given the most important, most precious message of all time. This message was given to those common people, And it was delivered not in some ordinary or simple way, but it was delivered with the full majesty and glory of heaven. Look at how Luke develops this dichotomy throughout this section. Shepherds, the lowly of the community, were given the message of Christ's birth by an angel of heaven. Shepherds living in the fields, We're given the message of Christ's birth by those who live in heaven. In the middle of the night, in the middle of the darkness, the glory of the Lord shone around them. Shepherds who were known to be liars and thieves were given a sign to a promise. The promise of God that would be fulfilled. The sign of heaven, of salvation to man that brings good news of great joy laid in a manger, wrapped in cloths as a baby. An entire military company of angels confirming the message of Christ's birth came to a handful of common, ordinary people in the middle of their life, in the middle of their work, in the middle of the night. You know, that's not what I would have expected. When I think about the message of Christ and how powerful it is to to change lives, that's not the story I would have expected in, in giving the announcement of the birth of Christ. I wouldn't have expected the way Luke presented it. I would have expected something different. I would have written this story with great uh, as a great day of military conquest. 
The long-awaited release from oppression. The long-awaited validation of faith. The long-awaited Savior from those who were suffering has come. It would have been a great day of military conquest in my story. In my story, the glory of the Lord would have extended all night. The heavenly host would have led the procession to Bethlehem. But God's plans and God's designs don't always play out how we thought they would do that. Much to our dismay, God has not chosen to consult us in how to announce His plans or how to portray His design of life. In this passage, and, and I think in our lives, God is up to something more. As Luke writes these words, he's showing that God is not the God of the ordinary and the common. But God is up to something more. God is up to something different. There's something on a, uh, happening on a much bigger scale that we need to tap into, that we need to understand. Here, the new world is coming. And it's coming in a radically different way, in a radically different shape than the former one. And again, I think that God uses this story, this story, to speak to our lives today, to share with us the very same message. That God is up to something big. That God is up to something that is not common, that is not ordinary. And we need to pay attention to what He's doing. Because the new world that comes for those who embrace Him is radically different than the one we leave behind. I think this story points out to us that, that God speaks to us in at least two different ways. God speaks to us both in the grand and the glorious. You see, there are times when I think we walk through our lives, minding our own business, not looking for anything from God, not expecting anything from God, just walking through lives our lives, minding our own business, going to work, going to school, coming home, doing our thing, trying to figure out how to get from today to tomorrow. And in a moment, and in an instant, God speaks dramatically in our lives. For some of us, we've experienced the grand and the glorious God appearing and shining into our lives. For some of us, it's as though heaven has been opened up and the glory of God just rains down upon us. And we are shaken at our core. And we can't believe what we've experienced. And it changes our lives radically. Because God has spoken to us in grand and glorious ways. And then I think for some of us, we walk through life minding our own business, just trying to get from one day to the next. And God whispers in our ear. God speaks to us in the gentleness and the quietness of our lives. He whispers in our ear and speaks calmly to us, just as a new mother holds her newborn child and comforts it. He whispers. And I wonder if we're listening. He whispers in the quietness to share the truth of His message. He whispers into our lives, Good news that is of great joy. And I'm convinced that, that whether we hear God in the grand and the glorious, 
where we hear God in the quiet and the gentle whisper. I'm convinced that what we do with those moments are some of the most important decisions of our lives. What we do when God storms into our life and opens heaven for a moment and an instant through somebody that we didn't expect. What we do with that message is of great importance. And what we do in the moment of quietness, when we hear God whisper, is of great importance as well. Those moments can be life-changing. Those moments can set us on an entirely new course of life in an entirely new direction for what God has for us. This is the God of heaven who speaks to us. And I just wonder, what will we do when God speaks? What will we do when we see Him in the grand and the glorious? And what will we do when we hear Him in the gentle and the quiet? What will we do when He speaks good news of great joy to us? Luke says that when the angels had left them and gone back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Let's go. Let's check it out. Let's see what's going on. And this morning I want to present to you, I think, three three ways that the shepherds model for us, ways that we can respond to God speaking in our lives today. The first is this, they were willing to explore the claims of heaven. They were willing to read, to, to, to venture out, to go and to see what this message really was. God had come down and, and in a grand and glorious way spoken to their lives. And when that picture was gone, when the angels had left, can you imagine the scene? They stand there and they look at each other and they say, let's go check it out. Let's see what this message was all about. Let's see what God has to say to us. They were willing to go and to investigate the claims of the Lord. They understood that, that even, though the, even though the messenger was the angel and the message was from God, that they needed to go and see and understand the deeper truths and meaning of what was happening. And I think it's important for us today to go and to explore what God is asking of us. If we want to find God, if we want to find His promise, if we want to embrace this Christ that we've all heard about, then we need to do as the shepherds did and be willing to explore the claims of faith. It's interesting to note that that even though they explored the claims of faith, even though they were willing to venture out, it doesn't mean that they had come to a point of personal faith and salvation themselves. The willingness to just go and explore is not faith in and of itself. They were willing to go, but they still had to be convinced. They still needed to understand what the message was about. And so just because they were willing to go and to sit at the foot of this child, because they were willing to go and and participate in all of the the, uh, things that were happening at this event, does not mean that in that moment for them, they had faith 
salvation, uh, faith of salvation themselves. It means they were just willing to explore. And I wonder how many of us, in our willingness to explore the truths of Christ, how many of us who are willing to come and to, to sit in a church service or participate in a worship service or, or go to a Bible study, I wonder how many of us are thinking that we have faith just because we're willing to show up. Intellectual assent is not what God is looking for. He's not looking for our confirmation that He exists. He's not looking for us to assert our belief that that He is there. The book of James even tells us that, that demons do that. God is looking for more. He wants us to venture out. He wants us to take that first step to explore the the claims of truth. But we need to understand that that needs to be followed up with an embracing of that truth. And I think it's important for those of us who have embraced Christ already as Savior and Lord that, that nothing stand in our way from continuing to explore the claims of truth. It's not as though we get to a point in our spiritual life where where now that we have God and now that we've accepted Christ, we're okay and we stop there. God continues to speak to us. God continues to whisper in our ears as we try to grow in our faith and, and mature ourselves in our spirit. God comes to us in grand and glorious ways, even if we've already given our lives to Him, to continue to speak good news that is of great joy to us. And He wants to challenge us. And we too, who have already embraced Christ, need to be willing to step out and continue to explore those truths that He presents to us. He's opened heaven to get our attention. He's whispered in our ears and He's telling us something. What will we do with what He's saying to us? second thing that I see these shepherds doing is found in verse 16. It says this, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. They hurried off. It's a small little phrase and it's easy to just kind of read over that. And it may not have a tremendous amount of, of meaning in, in any given moment as we read it, but but as I was looking at that passage this week, it, it struck me once again that, that these shepherds didn't delay when God spoke to them. These shepherds, when they heard the voice of God, didn't delay in responding to the call of God that was on their life. They didn't try to figure it all out. They didn't try to reason it all together. They didn't try to put it all in a nice little box, this message of God, and try to make it uh, apply to their life and to their setting, to what was going on, and to understand all the ramifications and all the, 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 the decisions that, that it would make in their future life. They just, they just made a decision that we're going to go now. We're going to respond to God now and see what He says to us. We have heard Him speak. And we want to see what He's up to. And so right now, we give our yes to God. I wonder how often we in our own lives 
let these God moments slip right through our hands. I wonder how often in our own lives God speaks to us, both in the grand and the glorious and also in the gentle and the quiet, and we allow those moments to just slip right by us. Perhaps we're not prepared. Perhaps we've not been training ourselves to hear God's voice, and so it's startling when we hear it. We're afraid when we hear it, and we don't know what to do with it. And so we let the moment slip by. Perhaps we aren't ready, we think, in our own lives to do what He's asking us to do. Maybe we weren't listening, and maybe we don't recognize specifically God's voice from all of the other voices that speak into our lives on any given day. But I wonder how many of us hear God's voice and purposefully tune Him out. I wonder how many of us, in that grand and glorious moment, we know exactly what is happening. We know that God is speaking to us, and we understand the ramifications of that. I wonder how many of us, in those gentle, quiet moments, when God whispers into our hearts and whispers into our ears, I wonder how many of us know exactly what He's asking us to do. And we still, in that moment, tune Him out, push Him aside, and choose to continue to walk in a different direction. These shepherds heard the call of God. They heard God speak into their lives and immediately they dropped what they were doing and they hurried off. They didn't casually meander over to the manger. They didn't make sure all the sheep were taken care of. They didn't make sure all their the lights were turned off in the house. They went immediately with what God was asking of them. In the moment, in the moment, it's hard to understand the impact of what is happening. I understand that. When God speaks, even in the grand and the glorious and the gentle and the quiet, in that moment, I know it's hard to catch the big picture of how that's going to play out down the road. And I know that in this passage this morning, taken at face value, these shepherds, they didn't understand what they were walking into. They didn't understand the big picture. But they were still willing and ready to hurry off and not delay for one moment embracing what God had for them, seeking out the truths of God, saying yes to Him. We're reminded time and again in the Old Testament, time and again, how how the people of the Old Testament in encouraging each other would say, don't you remember... Don't you remember how God had been faithful to us in the past? Don't you remember how God had delivered our forefathers? Don't you remember how God had met your needs? Don't you remember how God had taken care of you? And here today in our culture, we want all the questions answered, don't we? We want to know how it's going to work out. We want to know where God's leading us. We want to know what the next step is. And we want to know what that means for us and our family and our decisions and how that's going to play out. How's that going to affect my my stock options? How's that going to affect my job? How's that going to affect my career? We want to know all of the answers when God speaks. 
And we push them aside and we delay and we wait until we get all of these things answered before we even consider saying yes to Him. Don't you remember how God has been faithful to you? Don't you remember how His goodness has been shown to you? Don't you remember that He is faithful to take care of you every single detail of your life? As a pastor, time and again, I've I've seen this played out in the hearts and the lives of the people I've worked with. I've seen students and adults experience these grand and glorious moments. And I've heard them come and tell me about their, their quiet, gentle moments when God whispers into their ears. And I've seen students and adults readily, immediately, in the moment, say yes to God. Whatever He was asking of them. Sometimes drastically changing their lives. Sometimes setting their life in a new path and in a new course that that over the days and the weeks and the months and the years takes them to places where they never even dreamed or imagined that they could go. But it all traces back to that one moment, to that one instant where God spoke and they said yes without delay. They didn't hesitate. They didn't wait. But they said yes. And I've seen people come into my office who have been in that moment, that grand and glorious moment when God is speaking to them. And they've heard God whisper in their ear. And they wanted to figure it all out first. They wanted to step back and take a look and see what everybody else was doing before they would move. They waited. And they delayed. And they pushed God aside. And they continued walking in a path that was their own. A path that was right in their own eyes. And in that moment, they missed it. They missed what God had for them. And God is faithful and there are other moments down that road where God will continue to speak and to reveal Himself to them. And I'm confident that that He will use other messengers at other points in time to deliver His message to those people in their lives. But the more often we push God aside, the more that we are in a pattern of delay instead of a pattern of immediately responding to God. The more that we live a life delaying those opportunities to respond to God, I would say the more dangerously we live. It becomes too easy to ignore the voice of God. These shepherds did something with what was given to them. Even though they didn't yet have a full understanding of what it meant or where it would lead, they went in God's direction without delay. And it brought them to a moment of transformation. When they had seen Him. When they had seen Him, verse 17 says. When they had seen Him. It was in that moment when the message turned to belief. They saw the promise of God before them. And it moved them 
to share this message. They were given a sign concerning the promise of God and they found it just as they were told. They found Him. When they had seen Him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Verse 20, The shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all the things they had heard and all the things they had seen, which were just as they had been told. I wonder how many of us miss Him. I wonder how many of us completely miss Christ. In all of our searching and in all of our wandering around, in all of our studying, in all of our singing, in all of our planning, in all of our worship experiences, in all of our church services, I wonder how often in all of that we miss Him. I know it's easy at Christmas to completely miss Christ. Our culture and society is marketing and advertising a holiday that is totally absent of Christ. And I think most of us, if we would stop and think about it in the context of culture and the marketplace, we understand that. We don't like it, but we understand the fact that society and culture and the world, they don't really care about Christ, so they're going to market and advertise this holiday differently. So we understand that Christ in the culture and the community gets pushed aside and gets marginalized. But what's interesting to me is how it becomes so easy to marginalize Christ in the church. And how easy it is to marginalize Christ in our personal lives the the other 11 months of the year. It becomes so easy for us to just push Christ aside and center on other things. If we're not careful in our personal faith and in our church services and programs and and events, we can slowly push Christ aside and make it all about ourselves, all about our wishes, all about our egos, all about our agendas. And we become, we become the center of the message. On the personal side, we want to feel safe and we want to feel comfortable. We want to be taken care of spiritually. We want to have our needs met. We want to go, you've heard this, we want to go to a church where we are being fed. I want to make sure that I find a church that feeds me. And if I don't find a church that feeds me, I will choose to go somewhere else. We get angry with God when the answers to our prayers are not yes. We feel let down when we are in a dry and, and dusty place spiritually. And so instead of laboring through it and driving through it, we just stop. We just give up. We stop exploring our faith. Life gets too busy and too hectic, and so we don't have time to, to stop and to step out and to help other people who are in need or in crisis. Or for some of us, life seems to be okay. I mean, I've got my job and my family's around me and, and everybody's healthy and everything seems to be going okay. We've got no complaints. So, you know, more than one hour for God in a week, I, we don't really need to give them more than that. It's easy to move 
Christ out of the center of our personal life. It's easy to move Christ out of the center of the corporate side of church as well. It becomes easy to move Christ to the corners because our, our program or our agenda needs to take center stage. And so if, if our worship style isn't used each week, then we moan and we complain. Can you believe they're using the drums and that guitar again and plugging the thing in? We get, if our needs aren't met at this church, we just up and go to another church. If nobody seeks me out in the hallways and says hi to me, then, then this church is cold and, and I need to find a different place to worship. If I don't like the topic for the week or the pastor who's doing the preaching, then I'll just stay home. Thanks for coming this week, though. <laughs> Shot of encouragement. But you see, when we move Christ out of the middle, out of the center, the list can just go on and on and on. When they saw Him, when they saw Him, their lives were changed. You know, maybe we need to be reminded that it's not about us. Maybe we need to be reminded that the kingdom of God is not about our desires or our wants or our wishes or our objectives or our programs or our agenda. Maybe this baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger is a reminder to us that the kingdom isn't about our comfort or our safety or what makes us feel warm and fuzzy at Christmas. Maybe this scene in the middle of the barn, in the middle of the night, is a reminder that the kingdom isn't about how grand and glorious we can become, either as individuals or as a church. Maybe this story is not how we thought it would be. It was when they saw Him that their lives were changed. Prior to all that, the great things that were told to them were just hopeful anticipation. The message of the angel, the glory and the greatness that shone around them and upon them, that was just hopeful anticipation until that moment came when they saw Him. And then they knew that God's promises are faithful and true. Then they knew that the sign that was given to them would, would, would come to bear out in the promise that laid before them. God could be trusted. God is faithful. Because they saw Him. And they heard all of the things that were told about Him come true. They were given a sign to the promise. And they, were found, and they found Him just as they had been told. And 2,000 years later, we have signs that tell us of the faithfulness of God as well. 2,000 years later, we have a manger that leads to a cross, that leads to an empty tomb, that is a sign for all of us of good news, of great joy, that will be found true just as it's told to you. God can be trusted. God is faithful. 
I wonder what would happen in our lives and, and in our church if we renewed a commitment. If we renewed a commitment to make Christ and keep Christ the center of our lives. Now, I'm not saying every one of you here this morning does not have Christ at the center of your life. But some of you don't. And I'm not saying here this morning that Christ is not the center of the, 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 the church here. I'm not saying that, that our leadership and ministries here run ahead of God's leading. I'm confident of the godly leadership and Christ-honoring ministries that we have. But I know this. I know that it's tempting to run ahead of God. I know it's tempting for leaders to sit and to see the blessing of God in their ministries and be tempted to run ahead of Him instead of walking in concert with Him. So I wonder what would happen if this season we made new commitments to keep Christ at the center of our lives, personally, for our families, for our homes, for this corporate body of believers. Could we be amazed at what God would do in us? If Christ was the center of our lives, could we be amazed at what God would do in us? Could we be amazed at how this message of the kingdom is spread over the communities? If Christ is the center of our lives, could we truly return to our lives, our homes, our work, our ministries, glorifying and praising God for all the things we hear and see? I would guess that if we lived life this way, life might not turn out how we thought it would. Let's pray. Father, I ask that as we close this morning, we would treasure up all of the truth that You've presented in Your Word to us. And more than just think about what You are telling us, God, I pray that we would make a decision to investigate the truth without delay. That we would turn to You and we would be a people who put into practice responding in faith to Your call in our lives. God, as, we, as You speak to us through both the grand and the glorious and the gentle and the quiet, I pray that we would seek You and when we find You, we would turn our lives completely over. Help us to be faithful and true to You this holiday season. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.